Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello, you are back with the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast, episode number 20 with Scott Reed. Following on from part one a few days ago, me and Scott are going to take a little bit further this time. Scott's going to tell us a little bit about his past, how he used to be a football player up until his mid-twenties, but then how he made the decision that he needed to make a bigger impact on the world. We talk a lot more about not just motivation and discipline, but also being regimented. How being clean and tidy and having that tidy environment can be so beneficial to your health, to your visions and to your goals. And by working on the mindset and having this clean and tidy environment, how you can deal with what's in front of you every day in a much better way, a much healthier way. Scott's going to help us understand why it's so important to focus on all aspects of your life and not just to be tunnel visioned onto your to your health or as your fitness goal, but even taking a shopping trolley back at the supermarket, how that can impact every aspect of your life. He's also going to tell us how little daily habits can manifest into a powerful force and how talent can be wasted if there isn't hard work and strong ethics to back it up. So I'm not going to tell you too much about what Scott's going to say during the podcast, so we're going to get straight back into it. This is part two with the awesome Scott Reed. Hey, welcome back, Scott. How are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Magic. So when we ended last the last episode, we finished with you winning your strongman competition in 2007, but more importantly, we talked about the mental toughness and you had a couple of tough weeks leading up to that. Um, how, how have you developed your mental toughness over the years? Um, it comes, a lot of it I know comes from your granddad when we spoke before. Um, can you just tell us a bit more about that? It was a long process because in my late teens and early twenties, I, I really wasn't like that. Like I, I had a lot of opportunities. I, I played football at a high level of, at school level. So I played for Brighton, played for my county, Sussex. Um, but I wasn't really committed to it and I wasn't in love with the sport. Um, it kind of took took until kind of, I was around 24, 25, and you kind of realised that, you know, life isn't infinite. You, you do have a limited amount of time here, and as you're getting older, you need to make an impact on the world. Otherwise, you know, who are you going to be? What are you going to achieve? And then it was a gradual process where, where my sort of discipline and structure came in, just one step at a time, like making sure that, that everything around me was kept neat and tidy. Um, I think we, we discussed it before as well, like making your bed in the morning, cleaning up after yourself, just little things to start with. Um, my granddad was, um, he was in the military. He was a, um, he was a lifeguard for the queen. And then he was a principal officer in the prison service. He kind of instilled that in me quite a lot because it, even though he would show empathy with you, he would always be, you've got to pull your socks up and get on with this, you know, kind of man up. Just, this has to be done at this point in time. This is what's in front of us. Deal with it. And you have that choice. You can't choose what happens to you in life, but you can choose how you react to it. So like six deep breaths, assess the situation, and then work out how you're going to solve it and crack on with it. You know, it was just a gradual process, but it kind of just became part of me in the end. Um, yeah. It can be quite annoying to other people. But 
And I'm guessing that that rolls out in every part of your life, not just not just your competing aspect. It does, yeah. Every aspect, really. Um, just simple things like um, if you're at the supermarket and someone's left a trolley to the side, you know, and you're taking yours back, take that one back as well. If there's rubbish on the floor, pick it up and put it in the bin. If your bin's full, by your desk, or even someone else's bin is full, empty their bin. You know, just just it's the little things that make the difference in life. Um, there's a book called Legacy about the All Blacks, and the All Blacks are playing uh, rugby against Wales. And the cleaners came in after the after the game. The All Blacks had won, as they usually do against everyone. And the um, there was two of the main stars. I can't remember their names. They escaped me. They they, they swept the changing room up, put it all into a pile in the in the corner. When the cleaners came in, they asked for the dustpan and brush and put it in the bin for them. And it's called sweeping the sheds. And that's one of the main principles that the All Blacks work on. It's the little things. You do the little things correct, and they become habits. And those little things they manifest into the bigger picture and then your whole life becomes stronger and more structured and you become a more powerful entity that that's how how it works that kind of stuck with me as well sweep the shed floors that's how i try and live my life with everything i do now i think that's a great way to live your life it's not this isn't something that i've planned to talk about on this podcast but when we talked in between the two parts and and you said about the trolleys and the supermarket there's two types of people in the world and there's the type of person that takes the trolley to the car and then just loads his shopping up and leaves the trolley there, ex- expecting somebody else to do it. And, this, and that same person will be the person who turns up at a roundabout in his car, goes left but doesn't indicate because it doesn't affect him in any kind of way. Now, I believe this is a culture that, that, is, that is going the wrong way in the world. If, if everybody was as exactly like you've just said, taking your trolley back, picking up someone else's rubbish, emptying someone else's bin, what you've just said about the All Blacks in the dressing room, it's a culture that can make a huge difference to, to not just you, but every single person around you and eventually the whole planet as well. Now, I listened to a podcast myself yesterday and they was, they was talking about elite, elite sports teams and they were saying that sometimes in elite sports teams, the, there'll be a player that is, that is greater than everyone else in the team and they're given more leeway. They can rock up late to training a few times. They maybe don't have to do the, the sprints and the suicide runs at training because they're a better player. Now, I totally disagree with that because that brings in a wrong culture to the club and it allows everyone else to think that that is an acceptable way to be. Whereas if the best player in the world is at your club and he has a strong culture and strong ethics, he can then raise everyone up to his level. Oh, 100%. Uh, I've trained with people throughout my life that have had all the God-given talent in the world to the point where they could not train and win stuff and not do this and win stuff, but they could have been the best in the world if they'd have put in the two a days, got the mindset correct and become like strict, like militarised is the wrong word, but like regimented, like we said earlier. So they've got their processes, they stick to them. They make sure they're they're a disciplined, hardworking individual. This is going back to the All Blacks. That's why the All Blacks are the best team in the world because the best player doesn't get those luxuries. If he does that, he will get dropped. He will be given tasks to do. He will have to clean the changing rooms by himself. That's why they're the best team in the world. Teams that don't, don't enforce those values on their players from a young age will never be the best team in the world. I guarantee you that Ronaldo doesn't get away with that at Real Madrid. You know, it's, it's, there's certain things that, 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 that set teams and individuals apart from everyone else and um, being respectful, putting in the hard work. Um, if you expect someone else to do something, you being able to do it or do it better than them it is important in, in life. 
and it, it carries through to everything, like to the point, oh, I'll, I'll just send that email tomorrow. But if you'd sent it now, you would have secured that deal for your company or you would have got that position on this course, you know? It's those, those little things, they really count. They really do. They do. They set a tone through, through everything in life. So aside from that, aside from being a, a, what I would class as being a good person and setting that tone and having that culture, what other tools do you have in your, in your tool belt for mental toughness, mental resiliency for the days when it's not going well? You know, the days when you go to training and you can't lift the same weight as you did before, you've got a little back injury or you go to a competition, it's just not working out the way you planned. What have you got in your locker to deal with that? I mean, training, training and competition are two very different things. So training, I would like to think that the experience I have now and that I did have towards the end of my career, if I'd gone to training that day injured, I would have been sensible enough to work around that injury and, and still not go, right, I've got to hit this max deadlift today or lift this weight of stone. Because um, then that would put me out of the competition. So, But on competition day, it's more of you... You silence that negative talk. You silence that negativity. It just doesn't get a say. So when it pops in your head, you put it out and you replace it with a, um, positive self-talk. And the more you do that throughout your life in general, it, that becomes the default program for your brain. So if every time something goes wrong, you're like, oh, poor me, poor Scott, poor Scott. You replace that with, no, right, how do I deal with this? Pull my socks up crack on let's get it done you know that's where my like philosophy stand up and fight come from whenever i'm not like, really feeling like i just cannot deal with this like that pops in my head stand up and fight and that means like get myself in order and work out how i can turn this negative detrimental situation into a positive one that can move me forward yeah would you think it's fair to say that 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 positive mindset comes from a willingness to fail you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to lose. And you need to lose many times to gain the experience to, um, to, to be a, a fully rounded, productive individual. I'm trying to think what the saying was. It says, um, um, good judgment comes from experience, but experience comes from poor judgment. So you need, you need to make those mistakes in your life. You, you, need, you need to be willing to put your, your, your head on the, on the chopping block. and um, expose yourself to, to danger and testing times and, and, and that's what we'll as you just mentioned that's what what moves you forward and, and allows you to learn those skills yeah it is definitely and having this well-rounded approach um to not just your your training yourself but to everything in life is obviously making you a much better coach for your clients now when you're training your clients i'm guessing you have quite a rounded approach it's not just about strength work or, or lift like we said not just lifting the heaviest weight or doing one rep maxes all the time to get the best results from from anybody whether it's a whether it's a fighter whether it's an olympic lifter you have to have a rounded approach don't you you do you have to you have, you have to kind of incorporate anything so kind of mindset comes first like having the right attitude when you come into a gym you know um it's, it's like the city like the person that will be in the changing rooms beforehand and be clipping their fingernails and toenails to get ready for the workout. They're the ones that are going to go a long way. You know, the, the attention to detail. So like mindset and preparation. And then you obviously have to assess where their weaknesses and strengths are. Do they need to do more mobility training? Do you need to incorporate some gymnastics, you know, some ring work um, in there? Or do, do I need to break out some old-fashioned strongman equipment like tyres and sledgehammers well i prefer maces to sledgehammers because they're less dangerous on the wrists but you, and sledges and stuff you know it's um a multifaceted approach that, that, that kind of um 
emulates their sport or will help them progress in their sport is how I try and approach people's training. Yeah. And just, just to go back there, you just said about the gym. Um, I said just a minute ago that there was, there was two types of people in the world. And I use the example of not indicating and not leaving, not taking your trolley back. The other good example is someone who doesn't put their weights back when they're finished oh, with right. well, I even see personal trainers doing that. I'm not, I'm kind yeah. of got my head in my hands. Like you've just left 180 kilos on the bar. Yeah, well, that's, like, that's our culture again, isn't it? You know, if they put it back, everyone else is going to put it back. Yeah. I think we, um, there's a real issue at the moment with um, everyone's a winner, no one loses, not keeping score, um, no respect for your elders. And this is something that's a, a real problem with the generation that's coming up now. Um, like, they don't keep score at school. How do you ever learn how to win? And they might think that the kids are enjoying it. But the first thing the kids ask you afterwards is who won? Who, who, who scored this? Who did that? Like, we're, we're, a competitive, we're a competitive being at our very core. Um, times past, we would have had to fight just to stay alive, you know? We, we, you can't... The problem is, when these kids leave the education system, the world will crush them because they're just not ready for it. The world isn't kind to you. You need to be prepared for the world and accept that there are times when it will literally step on your face and you need to know how to deal with that. And that's when we come back to what I said earlier is you, only you can choose how you deal with those situations. You can't choose what happens to you, but then you need to choose how you deal with those situations. And that comes through um, you know, strength of character, which they're just not learning anymore. And it's quite worrying, if you ask me. Yeah, it is. I know, I know you've got a couple of kids and, and you must see it firsthand. But um, I, I personally think that in a lot of instances, we've come, become a little bit soft. And exactly like you say, when you go out into the real world, you get trampled on. You do. The, what the world isn't kind. It really isn't. And no. like having safe spaces in universities and non-specific gender pronouns just isn't helping these kids because it, it's not going to get them anywhere. Um, they've got this false sense of security and then when they go out into the workplace they've got zero protection you know they can't take everyone to a tribunal for for calling them the wrong the wrong gender pronoun that day because it just won't work it's i don't know we're a bit off track there though (laughs) yeah i know but it's uh it is is the way the world's going yeah so to get us back on track then um as i'm recording this for you now i'm i'm sitting on a cushion and i'm fidgeting the entire time because I've been doing a lot of strength work and then today, I, well, last night, I decided that I'm not as flexible as I should be. And I had a chat with one of my clients saying how much the flexibility can actually help them with their lifting. So I thought I need to put this into practice myself. So this morning, I've done my very first Pilates class um, <laughs> and oh my God, <laughs> how it's not particularly tough, but I am nowhere near as flexible as I thought I was. My hamstrings are the tightest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I thought they was quite flexible till I, till I started Pilates. Um, and yeah, I've got so many aches at the minute in my legs and in my, in my core, which I thought was, was all good. I thought I had good flexibility, good strength. And then I do one Pilates class and I'm in, I'm in serious shit this afternoon. <laughs> so I think, I think that multifaceted approach really helps. And you do things that, that you wouldn't necessarily do. I never, ever thought I would do a Pilates class. I'm actually training a client tonight. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go there an hour before I train my client. I'm going to do a really heavy leg session. And I've turned that around today to do Pilates instead, which is in my head, it's, it's nothing like a heavy leg session. You know, I don't feel like I've worked. I didn't think I was going to feel like I'd worked. I hadn't worked up a sweat or anything like that. 
but it's it's given me another angle it's given me something else that my body couldn't do before and it doesn't have to be a case of putting 100 kilos on a trap bar it's just sitting down holding your legs in the air can be equally as tough yeah yoga is an example of that isn't it yeah but like you think you're a big strong guy and then you're trying to hold these yoga poses and there's the little skinny yoga girl next to you who's like strong as strong in those positions and can hold everything um it's, it's a different type of strength um and this is why mobility and flexibility is important in strength training and it's something kind of i've i've always done i've always sort of i've always sat around in a squatting position even when i was working on squat down so i've kept that flexibility there um at the end of every leg leg workout i finish with cossack squats so i'm um, really keeping flexibility there um it is just about having a balanced approach to training and not just going in and, you know, tr smashing your biceps, smashing your triceps, doing this, doing that. Or even if you're like a racer, just con concentrating on running. Like strength training for runners is hugely important as well, as is, it, as is um, cardiovascular work for strength athletes um, is important. Um, so we all kind of need to respect other people's skill sets and, and learn what we can from everyone, really. Yeah, that's right. Fit fit covers a lot of areas if just because you're fit and just because you can lift a lot doesn't make you fitter than the runner or the runner fitter than the the crossfitter or so on we're all fit in different ways but we could all benefit from from taking a little bit off of everyone it's relative as well isn't it like the runner the long distance runner is never going to beat the sort of explosive crossfitter in a five to ten minute workout you know yeah. in, in a metcon it's just not going to happen but the other way around the runner's gonna you know be off in the distance you know, just it's hard to it's hard to have every box ticked and be amazing at one at one of them. Yeah, that it makes is. sense. It is, yeah. Um, so just before we wrap up, then the one thing I want to want to cover is the nutrition, uh, and not not particularly the nutrition for Scott the athlete and Scott the performance guy, but Scott the day to day man, the dad, the husband. It's it runs for all of us that we need good nutrition, but. I, I believe, and I know we spoke about this before, that people can overcomplicate their day-to-day -day nutrition. That there's all this talk of, of tracking your macros and doing this and looking at your micronutrients and having certain splits. But for a day-to-day -day guy, a guy on the street who just wants to remain healthy and fit, doesn't have to be like that, does it? No, absolutely not. And people do make it hugely complicated. But they, a lot of this comes from social media as well, of everyone selling this meal plan and that meal plan. And people just get overwhelmed with the the principles and everyone trying to put their angle on it so they can can sell their their own diet plan when if we just get back to the nuts and bolts of it um just don't eat processed food don't eat soda don't drink soda don't drink fizzy drinks you know cut processed grains out of your diet as much as possible so what we're looking at here is vegetables meats good fats you know like like butter and coconut oil and olive oil yeah salads fruits um clean water with sea salt and lemon in it like just basics um bacon and eggs for breakfast salmon and eggs for breakfast you know trying to limit that insulin spike in the morning but eating real foods you don't have to complicate it everyone wants this magic smoothie or this ma magic ratio magic ratio of carbs to fat to protein it's not going to happen and counting your macros is one of the worst things that ever come out it it will work, but it has to be in the context that your macronutrients are from real food. Um, not you people eat cookies and say to me, "Oh, it, it it matches my macros." 
I, and I can't think of any other way to put it that I want to kill them because it's not you can't eat cookies. Like it's not that that's not what it's about. So I think an ancestral eating approach. So I studied with Paul Check. So kind of from a, well before paleo was paleo, that's how I ate. Um, from the, if you look at Western A Price Foundation, that goes back to ancestral diets and how indigenous cultures would have eaten. And God, it was only when processed Western food came in that you started getting stuff like tooth decay, cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes, type two diabetes, and all of these kind of acute Western um, diseases started to come with the modern processed diet. So we just need to go back to real food. It doesn't need to be complicated counting your macros, just chicken, steak, lamb, pork, vegetables, you know, basmati rice. Just keep it simple. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, my, I think that the, all the diet plans out there are obviously there for people to make money. Um, my, my stamp on the nutrition is, is balanced, simple, good quality food. And, you know, if 90% if of your food is, is good and clean and simple, then it, it's going to work most of the time. Um, I just I've just took a note down there as you were talking because Weight Watchers come to mind um, <laughs> when you said about the like you know I can have a cookie if it's my macros. Well, you can, and I see it all the time with Weight Watchers and Slimming World because I forget which one is which now. But you can have like oh this cake is only one sin or there's no points for me eating this cake. I can have two or three of these because it doesn't add up. But you can have two thousand calories a day, and you could get that from ten slices of cake. You know, or you could get it from 15 big plates of, of really good organic natural produce. What is going to do you the, the more good? If you've both had 2,000 calories, but who's going to be the better for it? You literally are what you eat. So you either want to be a Big Mac and fries or, or, or you, want to be, you want to be some fresh vegetables, some organic grass-fed steak, you know, it, some raw milk. It, it, you, your, your cells literally are your cells become what you put in your body as food. Um, it's not about counting calories. It's not about macros. You could never count calories. You could, you, you could have vegetables and real food, nuts, stuff like that, and you can't overeat on them either. Like you can't overeat on real food. It's so hard. So if you eat like that, you kind of get a balancing effect where it's much more satiating as well. So if you eat, eat a meal that's got loads of good fiber in it from green vegetables some sweet potato a steak um, um then you're going to be full for a lot longer than if you eat the same amount of calories from processed crap food you know it it it, it boggles my mind how people just can't see it but yeah, they yeah, still want not the paleo movement has this problem so they have paleo patissiers and they have this paleo friendly brownie and this you're missing the point that is not what paleo is about or uh, paleo word is so loaded. I hate it now, really. It's like ancestral eating. That's not what it's about. It's about eating real food. So we're Northern Europeans. We would have eaten venison, wild boar, um, nuts, berries, some tubers, you know, um, the odd like nettles, dandelions, stuff like that. We, we wouldn't have been looking to grind up something and make a cake out of it. So they're kind of missing the point. And this is where health problems come in because it's still heavily processed. Your gut still doesn't really recognise it, and that's where autoimmune responses and stuff come in, and inflammation and the problems that people, you know, get these days from that type of eating. So it's just it is being being honest. With, and if all of these people are honest with themselves, they know that's true, but they still want that cake. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, they're so readily available. You know, that's that's a big issue. But it's I, everywhere, I'm... isn't it? You're trying to leave the supermarket, and there's a Snickers there, and. But you do need that balanced approach where 
I'm quite lucky because I, I can, like 80, 90% of the time, I can be strict with myself. But because of how hard I still train, you know, there is that time where you can have that pizza, have that big burger and fries, you know. But if that's the worst thing you do, you know, I know that every day I don't have a, like multiple bars of chocolate, crisps, sandwiches, cans of Coke, cans of Fanta, this, that and the other. Yeah. Actually, not that bad. You've got to have that balanced approach. And, but when you go to a restaurant, you definitely don't want to be the person sitting there and, oh, I can't eat anything off the menu. But hang on a minute. This is like, this is the exception, not the norm. That exception should be something where you can let your hair down, you know? That, that's exactly it. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's the exception, not the norm. And you can't get away from, from the crisps, the chocolates, the cakes. You know, it's, it's, it's everywhere in society nowadays. And, and no one, I'm not sitting here being completely righteous saying I've never eaten a chocolate bar. I do, and I have. I have chocolate bars regularly, but 90% of my diet is good. My diet is not based on the chocolate bar. You know, right. I, I, I trained a client a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, I'm going to go home and have a pizza tonight. And I did. But it's not that I have that every night. That was, in fact, I can't remember the time before. Yeah, like a nice Italian meal every now and then. It's good for the soul, isn't it? You know, glass of wine, some Italian food. But that, people don't put enough value on how much, like, um, those social settings and enjoying food with friends, breaking bread, as it were, you know, um, that's important to your health, your strength, your longevity, and your mindset as well. That's very important. Um, being carrying your Tupperwares around with, around with you all the time isn't the best way to be. Like, don't get me wrong, my, my lunchbox is still quite substantial. It's a cool box, but you know, I, 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 I'm happy to stop in a cafe and get some food, like an omelette, omelette salad, you know, and stuff like that, or or, or chicken and rice from a um, from a calf or even a fry up occasionally but that like we said that's the exception not the norm you know 80 90 percent of the time i'm i'm eating correct food uh, drinking the correct things i think one of the biggest things is just cutting out those snacks that fizzy drinks the chocolate bars the crisps indoors replacing replacing that with you know some fizzy water if you want something a bit different as a mouthfeel and, and nuts and nut butters and even a rice cake here and there, you know, with nut butter and healthy snacks and rather than processed naff food that has no nutritional value for your body at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that you as a, as a competitor and somebody who's, who's done so well actually promotes that healthy, clean, organic living because it's something that I bang on about all the time. Um, and it's nice to hear it from other people as well. Oh, people thought I was mad back in the day because Paul <laughs> Check is a bit out there anyway. But when, but when I was first telling them about, you know, homo homogenized pasteurized milk and the hormones and actually what you're getting from that product as, a, as opposed to raw milk and, and that is actually a food, people would like think I'm crazy and like telling them that, you know, really the normal bread you buy from a shop that's full of sugar, full of um, additives, preservatives, vegetable oils that are hugely hydrogenated and basically trans fats like toxins on the body, you know, they, they, they thought I was mad. But, but like the education of people has changed very much in the last few years and people know this stuff now they, they might not want to listen but they it's definitely knocking at the door i think the, the, the knowledge is out there it is and hopefully hopefully this podcast will add to it hopefully. so thank you very much for that scott um that's been my pleasure it's been it's been great information one of the things that i'm taking away is i, I scribbled down the legacy book halfway through that conversation I'm going to go yeah. away and have a good listen to that. And I reckon yeah, I've got a book else, coming it? out later this year. We're just doing like a rewrite and that's going to be called Stand Up and Fight. And that's kind of just going over the, the process and the principles that we've spoken about here. So like mindset, nutrition, 
uh, training and recovery and kind of a, and a bit a little bit of philosophy in there as well I suppose but it's not going to be hugely long but it's just my thoughts on some pages that I thought I wanted to share with people so brilliant I look forward to that and uh, I shall await my signed copy in the post yeah <laughs> don't worry it will be coming <laughs> thank you very much for that Scott thanks Mark thank you very post. much bye Well, that's just blown my mind. Like I said at the start of part one, this isn't really the way I expected the conversation to go with Scott. I didn't expect so much about mindset. I didn't expect to talk about discipline, motivation, being regimented, and all the little the little hacks that Scott gives in the background there, how working on a broader aspect of your life rather than just being tunnel visioned and working on your health and fitness can actually play a huge role and be a huge factor in your health and fitness. Thanks for tuning in, guys. So if you want to know more about Scott, head over to the show notes. All the details are there for how you can contact Scott. And remember to head back over to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast in a couple of days because we have an amazing lady coming up who's going to tell us all about self-love, why that's so important. And again, very much like Scott, how working on things other than your nutrition and your exercise can actually help you hit your goals and visions with your nutrition and exercise such an important conversation we've got coming up please don't miss it if you don't want to miss it you know the drill head over to itunes head over to stitcher subscribe rate and review the podcast and you're guaranteed you're not going to miss the next one because it's going to flash up on your phone screen the minute the next episode is released take care guys and i'll speak to you again in episode 21